been up to this week? Uh, Are you off still? <laughs> no. Uh, I was off for like oh, a short, long weekend, and I don't get to. Yeah. Right. So I'm going to start my backup here. Yeah, I. Uh, the only extended time off I really get is uh, summer break and winter break, and that's not for, you know, another four months or so. And mom's coming to visit, so that's cool. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. I was just saying that the other day. Yeah. She's been looking at hotels and stuff. I asked, uh, she actually asked me to ask Becky and Kelly if they wanted to come along, which I thought was adorable. So, yeah, because I can only imagine, like, I think mom and Becky and Kelly would travel very well together. I I wouldn't. Yeah, I guess I could. I could see that. Yeah. So uh, just. So, yeah, uh, it's been a, a pretty uneventful week. How about you? Uh, I mean, it's you know another week at my new thing, and then last night was that Our Lady Peace Matthew Good concert with Greg, right. which was fun. I ish anyway. Like we can get into it a little bit, yeah. but I definitely like we were kind of sitting there watching like the Our Lady Peace set because like I knew Matt was coming back out to do Time Bomb with Our Lady Peace, so we're watching the Our Lady Peace set. And I'm like, man, he sounds like really not great. Mm-hmm. Like he just doesn't. I don't. I feel really bad because I'm like I by all rights I should like in like I should be happy that Our Lady Peace is still around and stuff, but like I was never into them that much yeah. to begin with. And then like I'm watching the show and I'm like, he sounds really terrible. He was, but we yeah, can get into yeah. that. We can get into that later, I guess. Well, we can get into it because I have I have a thing I want to I want to show yeah. uh, you and I want your reaction okay. on the podcast. So why don't we? Yeah. Uh, why don't we get the episode started? So welcome back, everybody. This is Dance Robot Dance, episode 86. I know you're not hearing regular voices. I think you, you might be thinking you're listening to a, a different podcast. But uh, Tim and Christy have uh, gone MIA this weekend. They're both traveling and super busy. So um, my my side A, side B co-host has like, so graciously accepted our offer to step in and do an episode of Dance Robot Dance with his older brother. So Paul's here with me. Hi, everybody. So, yeah, that's pretty much that's about it. We'll get into we'll get into some stuff later. We're gonna have some fun. Uh, we're gonna try some different stuff this week. But why don't we start off with the news um, first? And this is really kind of weird because we just talked about this on the other show, and I haven't put that episode out yet, like for episode three. But we haven't talked about it on Dance Robot Dance. The first thing in the news: Kevin Smith had a heart attack. Uh, this is a couple weeks ago yeah. now. Um, so he's back up on his feet and like working and doing stuff. He's already been on a bunch of podcasts. Um, I just bring it up because we haven't brought it up on Dance Robot Dance. And a lot of the impetus for me wanting to do this podcast came from my love of Kevin Smith's podcast. Like I'm a longtime Smodcast listener. Like Scott and Moj are like my ideal podcast co-host duo. Like they're just hysterically funny all the time. So uh, I'm really glad he's still kicking and will be yeah. continuing to do cool stuff and be kevin smith because there isn't another kevin smith out there so uh, there's a lot of people who want like like look like him and could probably dress up and pretend to be him but i think there's only one of that guy so yeah we like you kevin kevin smith and we want to keep you around as long as possible just keep just you know no more heart attacks please just none of those those are bad yeah Get, get healthy Related to the Kevin Smith incident, there's been an ongoing kind of Stan Lee issue going on where he has been cut off from like the world at large. Apparently, none of his phone numbers work and his longtime lawyer and kind of his longtime caretaker, Max, who I've met a couple of times, like he's been uh, Stan's handler for a number of years. Uh, They've all been fired and nobody has had any contact with Stan 
in the last little while, in, like up to including the point where there's articles on Reddit and you guys can go look them up, where comic book like like honestly like giant comic book names Peter David, J. Scott Campbell, and Neil Adams and Kevin Smith have been trying to get in touch with Stan just to kind of see what's going on. And as far the last I heard from Smith, because I follow him on fucking every possible social media that I can, um, was that uh, none of Stan's phone numbers work anymore, and he's like pretty isolated for there's some there's something going on and nobody's really sure what's going on but nobody in the comic book world is happy uh, about it because nobody can reach stan okay which just worries the shit out of everybody especially considering his longtime kind of handler max is also been fired and like has no contact with stan either which is crazy because like he's been stan's right hand for dec- like a decade and plus probably now so it's been that sounds really ominous and strange is it a- is it the it's, is it the family that up. has husted it? There was a rumor on Reddit, and it's all Reddit like rumor bullshit at this point. It's just that nobody's heard from Stan, and like we've gotten these these things. Even the fucking Green Ranger, the original Green Ranger, has commented on this. Like you guys can all go find this stuff because oh, he's right. done. He's on the con circuit, and that's how Stan's. Kind of, when Stan lost a bunch of money a couple years back, like the way he kind of built himself back up was just doing like was having Max really negotiate awesome rates to get him flown to cons and stuff like that and they just did that as much as stan could given his like he's 95 now so and battling pneumonia apparently so i'm just like this is a it's been it's been a weird i'm trying to keep tabs on what's going on but nobody's like nobody from that camp is talking and now it's just like a big echo chamber of speculation on the outside so like nobody really knows so like i'm waiting for Honestly, I'm probably just waiting for Kev to come back and be like, this is what's going on. This is what I know because he's the one who's got 17 podcasts that he can do that on. So that's where that news will probably come out first. But it's been a little harrowing this week to hear like, like Geekdom's grandpa has kind of gone missing and whatever. It's been a weird week. So yeah, no kidding. I mean, like the age of 95, one can, one would speculate that it has something to do with his health, but that's really yeah like like not not being able to like get in touch with them even like via cell phone at this point is kind of like that's kind of crazy because that's just a text message right like even if i'm like i could be dying and i'd still answer text (laughs) in theory i'm not 95 so i don't really know if my my connection to technology might be a little bit more like pry my iphone from my cold dead hands probably than like he probably is but still you know like he's he's in charge like he's a big name you'd think he'd have his cell phone attached to him permanently well well, here's hoping Stan is okay then, but that's yeah. that just that's such a strange thing to happen in this day and age that someone who's as high profile as Stan Lee just kind of falls off the radar and can't be contacted. It's very similar to a story I remember hearing a couple of years ago about Richard Simmons. Oh, yeah. Like the same thing happened to Richard Simmons, and it took like a, a couple of weeks before he came out and was just like, "I'm fine. I just don't want to fucking deal with you people anymore." Like that's pretty much what yeah. Richard Simmons said. But I mean, I can't see Stan coming out and being like that grouchy about it. But so I just want to know he's okay. Like I just want somebody to check up on him and like whatever. Because I just want I just want Stan to be good. That's that's my take yeah, on it. Same. I'm with you on that one. Let's move on to uh, let's move on to to happier happier times. So I don't know if you mentioned this on Dance Robot Dance. It's been a couple of weeks since we recorded anything. But uh, in case we haven't, Infinity War has been moved up a week to the April twenty yeah. seventh weekend. So like it's a worldwide release. They're all getting we're all getting the release of the same date. So Paul's not getting a week's advantage on me uh, this time. So talk about it yeah. at the same time, and I don't have to tease you about having seen it like several days 
earlier. There is, uh, there is definitely that. Yeah. Also, to look forward to, uh, we've I've talked about it with the other guys, like with the the the, the main dance robot dance crew, and we will be ranking the Marvel Universe movies at some point in the next couple months that might in our lead into Infinity War or my mm-hmm. hype train to Infinity War, I guess, more than anything else. So that's pretty exciting. But like, I need that movie <laughs> inside me like right now. So if they could just get that fucking movie yeah. out as soon as possible, I would be very very happy like we got to be at the point they got to be wrapped right like they just got to be in finishing touches like just give it to me now please just give it to me. oh it's only two like less than two months away and go just, just go see black panther again i already have man i've seen it like three times now and i'm well like, there you go so you're contributing to the next news item i wanted to talk about consider it's, it's on my linked list. It's yeah. On my list. yeah absolutely uh black panther has surpassed a billion dollars in earnings which is just like Wakanda forever. Wakanda yeah. forever. Yeah, exactly. Just fucking crushing it. So good on them. Like they're just making money hand over fist. There's already like the talk about sequel. The sequel's already announced, and they're already talking about spinning, like just spinning everything off at this point. Because why the fuck not? And they're going to be short some some heavy hitters probably post like Avengers three and four. So get Shuri in that Iron Man armor as soon as possible and get her out there. That's that's what I'm, that's my take yeah, on it. So. My thing is like. I find it, I know that when Doctor Strange came out, they started trying to make him the new center of the Marvel Universe, the the next Tony Stark, I guess, because Benedict Cumberbatch, yeah. um, like the origin, the origin story was identical, basically, and Benedict Cumberbatch was already a really big name in, like, the world, yeah, world yeah, yeah. because, you, yeah, so I'm I'm okay with that, but it's like, I just want... I just want more T'Challa in my life. Forever. Well, I think I think, and like, there's been some promo art that's gone up where like they have like the 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 big three kind of surrounding Thanos, and like flanked by the big like the big three are also are. And this is something I've been talking about forever. And like, I, I'm I'm assuming the way they're going to be going forward is like once our current big three, which is Cap, Thor, and Iron Man. I'm assuming I don't know if RDJ is leaving right away. Like I think yeah. he might still be cameo guy for a little while. And it sounds like Chris Hemsworth wants to kind of like still fuck around in the world. Yeah. It's only Chris Evans who really sounds like I need to finish and get out kind of thing. Yeah. But like I could see it be Black Panther, Doctor Strange, and they're obviously they have Spider Man now. Spider Man's going to be what, super. Yeah. plans going. But power yeah. level wise, I wouldn't mind having Carol there instead of Peter. Like. It'll probably actually Carol will probably be the fourth. If you if you count like uh Black Widow yeah. as the fourth in in the other one, um just based on star power because of Scarlet and yeah. stuff like that. Like I could see I could see slotting fucking like did she not win an Academy Award? Brie Larson's an Academy Award winner, right? Yeah, yeah, she yeah. won for Rue. So like I could see like, oh yeah, let's slot our other Academy Award winner. I think our only Academy Award winner? Probably, uh, right? Yeah. That cover patch never won a No, a, no, he did Academy not. Award. He was nominated. Yeah. So, yeah, you're going to see them be like our Academy Award winning Brie Larson, Captain Marvel will probably take a lot of oxygen out of that like conversation, too. That's pretty cool. That's a pretty diverse like group of yeah. people. It's really, because like ostensibly you have two Englishmen, a black guy and yeah. a woman now. So like the only actual American in that group of actors, I think, is um, Ruffalo. No, Brie Larson. Well, yeah, she yeah. Ruffalo. Yeah, Ruffalo, yes, obviously. But I mean, like, out of those four, yeah. like, Chadwick Boseman is, I don't even know if he's, is he African or is he English? I think he's English. We have the internet. Also. We do have the internet. And then, like, obviously, Cumberbatch and uh, Tom Holland are both English, too. So, 
a lot of fake Americans on that uh, big Avengers yeah. team. Now, so he kind of he, no, he's an American actor, is he? Oh, I thought he was. For some reason, I had it in my head he was British. He's anyway. from South Carolina. Either way, awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, fair enough. I'm wrong. Good, good. Thank you for fact checking me. That's amazing. Uh, um, more news. More news. Okay, I can I can keep going. I can keep going. So obviously Thursday was International Women's Day. So. Hashtag International Women's Day. We got Jessica Jones a day early because of that. So that's out there and ready for people to to view. I've watched it all. I work from home on Friday. So <laughs> I got through the whole thing. Um, as is as is usual for me, Mark does a big Marvel binge watch once a quarter now. And it's just a happy cat because of it. It was pretty good. It, I, I'll throw it. Well, we're going to get into it next week with the, the main crew. I think everybody's watching it. So we're going to do like an in-depth review. Spoiler alert. Uh, middle of the pack for me, just slightly below Defenders. Not not in that elite like Daredevil, Jessica Jones season mm. one level, but like I remember that I enjoyed Defenders yeah. quite a bit. So like it's at like seven point five out of ten range. So that's good. I'm looking forward to uh, getting through it. I'm going to start it today at some point, but I'm supposed to be going to see a movie today. We're um, a movie. A movie. Um, I, I think it's going to be between Red Sparrow and A Wrinkle in Time. If A Wrinkle in Time has released in, but neither movie got has gotten Korea. particularly good reviews. So um, yeah, I don't know if and Tomb Raider came out. So. Oh, did Tomb Raider come out this uh, week? Tomb Raider came out here. I don't know if it's out worldwide. I I I, I go by a Korean release dates so. yeah fair enough i'm curious about that like it looks it looks a lot like the the first reboot mm-hmm. like story-wise which i was a fan of i like that game uh, game. i just hope it's not another like woman gets tortured on screen for uh two hours kind of movie the, the movie the 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 game had yeah. elements of that she get they get their comeuppance because of it though like it, it comes back around so it's a little uh, i don't need to, i don't need to see i spit on your grave again yeah, and exactly. again and again but like the, i don't know we'll, just... we'll have to see how they they handle the movie i know the the game itself had some elements of that which was it was a little like troubling at the time but like the game was great like it was that reboot has been awesome and like they that even the sequel that has been uh, like kind of underreported on because it was an Xbox exclusive for that one year, that first year, the rise of the Tomb Raider was excellent. Like I played it. It was the, the only game I played on my Xbox one for the first like year I had it. That wasn't yeah. rock band Four. So right. I, I am continuously in awe that so many male writers still think that the only way a woman can be a badass superhero is to get raped or attacked first. They can't just be yeah. fun loving adventurers. They have like, uh, I I worry for a modern like Dora the Explorer reboot in like 15 years. Said, this is I think they already are. I think they already are rebooting. And I remember talking about it on the show. Like Christy was like Christy and Tim were talking about it. I was kind of tuned out. Oh yeah, they're updating the animation yeah. and stuff like that. But I let's hope they don't go the I spit on your grave for, like, for an Dora adult, the like an adult Dora the Explorer <laughs> reboot where she's like. Oh. Like Jessica Jones, alcoholic, like kind of abuse victim, and like comes back around. Yeah, and, and, and she uh, she hallucinates her talking backpack and stuff like that. I don't think we're gonna take Dora the Explorer into like rated R spit on your grave land, Paul. I don't know. Well, yeah, I, I, I gotta I gotta find another co-host. You got dark <laughs> really fast. <laughs> Usually it's me who pushes us into that kind of shit. This is gonna be a, this is gonna be an ugly episode. Isn't <laughs> it's just it? been just been a cynical week. I just I started with my new batch of kids this week, and it's like training animals all over again. So all right. All right. Well, either way, uh, yeah. So Jessica Jones is out there right now. I enjoyed it. Uh, go get it. They've announced that Luke Cage season two will drop on June twenty second, which is 
I don't know. The trailer was not great. And I just saw before we hopped online uh, that Punisher season two is already wrapped production, like shooting. So that's coming, which is awesome. Cause I really enjoyed like Punisher surprised the shit out of me. Like it, it was my favorite one of those shows since like Daredevil season two. Like it just blew me away. It was super violent, like super violent. But still, I really enjoyed. Still it. haven't watched it. Oh, but that means I can so back to back Punisher Jessica Jones. So that's cool. Yeah, man, absolutely. You got you got tons of shit to watch. Then that's good. And Punisher's great. Punisher like really good. He kills it. Uh, John Bernthal, like he's so fucking good in that show. Like carries he carries that show. Obviously, he's going to carry yeah. that show, but. He does a lot of heavy yeah. lifting on that show. And it gets his teeth kicked in for all his fucking hard work, too. He beat the yeah. shit out of him. So it's really good. Really good. In related Netflix news, this is this will be a quick one because Paul and I will probably just laugh once the headline is gone. Um, Netflix is turning Deadpool creators Rob Liefeld's Extreme Comics into TV series. <laughs> Are they going to CGI the feet out? <laughs> I, fuck, I don't know. Is everyone just going to have ankles that are <laughs> matchstick thin? <laughs> hidden, hidden behind rocks. And like that's smoke, and smoke, so much dust. And smoking, smoking <laughs> rocks, just hiding all the feet. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> See? I knew that was I knew that was coming. All right, we'll we'll move oh, on wait, quickly wait, from what's, that. What's the budget for pockets and pouches? What's the, <laughs> like 60% oh, of the budget? <laughs> infinite. It has, to, it has to be infinite, right? Okay, like, I, I don't know. know. Continuing Netflix news, Black, Se- uh, Black Mirror, to the surprise of literally nobody, has been renewed for a season five. That show is going to go on for 30 seasons now because it's like, it's an anthology. There's yeah. no reason. You just replace the writers. That's all you have to replace on that show, the writers. So you do four episodes a year for yeah. 30 years. It's our new Twilight Zone. It's Twilight Zone for the 21st century. And just keep disturbing the shit out of us for the rest of our lives. Totally fine, right? Quality, quality TV show. Next... John Favreau is writing Lucasfilm's first Star Wars live action TV series. I'm like, I'm excited. I'm glad John Favreau's back in the Disney fold at yeah. the very least. Like, yeah, that's I'm cool. glad for that too. I, I, yeah, I would. I am so excited for the idea of like a long running Star Wars story on TV, especially these days. Like, you know, prestige TV, etc. Like adapting Knights of the Old Republic or some of the comic books or maybe modified versions of extended universe type stuff. I'm all for that. More of that. Yeah. No, if it's live action, I'm more likely to, to hop on board that too. Cause then like, they're more likely to be like, yeah, that's hard canon. Then uh, like, you have to watch that compared to the, the animated series that have been going on, which I've heard are great. I just, I'm, I can barely watch animated Ooh, series right. and stuff that I really like anymore. So watching a Star Wars yeah, animated series, I'm like, well, this is a tough slog. So. And not because I don't like it. I Star Wars. You know what I'm. You know we're both the same with Star Wars, aren't we? Yeah. Like, we're both like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's there and it's good, but like, I'm I'm infinitely more invested yeah. in the Marvel universe right 100%. now than I am in anything else. So like, that's where my yeah my geek heart kind of lies. In spite of that fact, apparently we got some news this week about Wonder Woman. Patty Jenkins has confirmed that Kristen Wiig will be playing Cheetah in Wonder Woman two, which will be set in the '80s, which I thought was an interesting choice. Uh huh. I'm actually really excited for this because I know that Kristen Wiig does have a lot of range as an actress, and a lot of people don't know that. Um, if you've ever seen uh, the Skeleton Twins, I believe was the name of the movie with Tom Hader from Saturday Night Life as well. Oh, I, she's awesome with Hader though. Like they they have awesome chemistry. Yeah. I've seen that movie mentioned quite a bit the last like week or so as this story has come up because people were like, "Oh my god, she's a comedian." I'm like, "Yeah, but." She's always been the most grounded. Like, if you look at that Ghostbusters movie, which you, none of you should because Sweet Cheese is horrible. Horrible. I don't have anybody. It's not that bad. It's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. It's terrible. 
Uh, so I do have somebody here yeah. who's going to countermand me on that. That's fine. But she was kind of like the the heart of that movie. Like she was definitely yeah. the centerpiece of that movie. She was obviously the strongest of the bunch. Melissa McCarthy, unfortunately, just like total slapstick for that whole fucking flick. I was like so disappointed. Yeah, in well, her, her bit uh, of it, but. I think that uh, Cheetah is an interesting character. I, like I, she, as a, an archaeologist slash colonizer type, um, she's going to make for an interesting villain. And I'm really interested to see what Kristen Wiig is going to bring to this because, um, like, I really hope they don't go into too campy a route with this, especially since it's set in the 80s and that, like, yeah, um, yeah. But I, I trust, I trust Patty Jenkins. I always, I'm always going to trust Patty Jenkins. She knows what I think she knows what she's doing with, uh, with Diana, and okay. hopefully we don't get another Wonder Woman third act. Yeah. We get just like the quality of the first two acts of wonder woman extended into a full movie. And that would be ideal. That would work for me, but uh, we'll see what happens with the, uh, the rest of the, the DC executive. You know what I mean? Uh, They always tend to meddle where they really shouldn't and fuck things up. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah. It's, it's fucked up. Well, that'll be the last thing I talk about. Uh, there's a story going around that Brian K. Vaughn, uh, who uh, is creator of Runaways and Saga, is writing a Silver Surfer movie at Fox, for Fox. Mm-hmm. I can hardly contain my excitement <laughs> right now. That's how excited Silver I am. Surfer is... Okay, first of all, Silver Surfer requires the like the Galactus backstory, which means another hard reboot on Galactus as a character. And that means Fantastic Four. Yeah. And like right before they hard reboot it again, because you know like when that deal goes through, it's gonna like nothing Fox does except for Deadpool is gonna stay. They're just gonna be like Yeah. Bye. And do their own because they're not they're gonna want to do their own thing, right? Like you got your characters back. Let's do them right. And they're not gonna interview yeah. the MCU the way they why are. Why would right you now. do so another they have like, why would Fox do another Fantastic Four movie after the just multiple disappointments. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, like like three three totally horrifying movies. Really, like just unwatchable garbage. So uh, the, two of which I've only even attempted to watch. The first the, I've only seen the first one all the way through. The other two I like I got through about the first act before I was like, nope, oh, no, not doing it. I slog I slog through all of them, and especially the last one. Like I regret, like the first two, like the the Ian Gruffa Jessica Alba movies have kind of like a, a 60s Batman mm-hmm. camp appeal in a lot of ways. Not bad in a, I'm tr- we're trying to be bad the way the Adam West Batman show was, but like it, it, there's so many more echoes of it in that movie than anywhere else. Like even in the, with the exception, obviously of Batman and Robin, which was just like on top of that, a giant homoerotic <laughs> role. Like, and not the good kind either. So <laughs> yeah, not even like, fun, so. yeah. Yes, yeah, a weird shit. That was a weird one. But yeah, so like I don't yeah. I don't whatever. What are you going to do? I assume all this stuff's just going to go away. Like all these announcements that Fox is, Fox is still making about yeah. these movies is just going to disappear come the come that mar- the merger happening. So hopefully, hopefully. Yeah. yeah. So I got two little other things to talk about that I wanted to bring up. The last it's a, a last little bit of Marvel Comics news. Um anybody who reads Miss Marvel, uh so Kamala Khan's character, like she you we're all painfully aware of how much she's got her Buffy speak down mm-hmm. the Miriam uh, the what is it Miriam Webster mm-hmm. dictionary 
is codifying that. Uh, a word she uses a lot in Biggin, which for some reason I strikes me as something that I've heard elsewhere, like in Buffy or in The Simpsons or The Simpsons. Or I feel like uh, yeah. the like the old Stephen Colbert character, like the Colbert Report character, used it yeah. a lot along with truthiness. So, but either way, it's now being recognized by Merriam-Webster and is going to be in the dictionary. So Kamala uh, Khan has made some kind of history at this point, which is awesome. This reference, I and I know this off the top of my head for a weird reason, is about the Jebediah Springfield uh, episode and where something oh, it begins the smallest right. man. Yes, um, you're right. That's true. And, you're right. That's and then it it, first. it's Miss Hoover who said it, um, it's a perfectly cromulent word. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh man, early Simpsons. That's the that's the good stuff right yeah. there. Um, yeah. So uh, that's pretty h- hilarious. I I love English news because that's my you know English, and an Eng- English, an English major. Nerd, yeah. No so uh, language is an evolving thing. It should always change and grow. So go for it. And begin. And begin the English language. There you go. Um, last two things. Two live-action Disney trailers have popped up over the last couple of weeks since we recorded last. So we've gotten a, a Mary Poppins trailer, which I watched once and completely forgot about five seconds after it was finished. So do you have anything? Did you see it? I did. Um, as a fucking Julie Andrews-obsessed stan forever, I'm cautiously optimistic about Emily Blunt as Mary Poppins. The original Mary Poppins isn't a movie that is like holds up really well. It's a little bit flabby and overlong as a movie. I haven't seen it since like, I'm sure we were at the at, at home and yeah. you guys were watching it. it was the last time I actually saw Mary Poppins and I can't ever remember having sat through it all in one shot. There's parts of it that I remember yeah. enjoying, but like I Disney movies and me have never quite jived. So yeah, I've done a recently done a huge Disney archive binge, and like I thought, I I think I remember Mary Poppins more with rose colored glasses. Mm-hmm. The the last interaction I had with the Mary Poppins thing was that movie about Walt Disney. Uh, and the direct uh, with Emma Thompson and Tom Hanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The guys were talking about that. Yeah, Tim and Christy told me to watch it. I haven't had a. I haven't yet. Obviously, I've been watching a ton of other stuff. So yeah, the uh, the idea. Mary, the the author of Mary Poppins never liked the Disney adaptation. Um, I and I don't think that this is going to be. It's not. I doubt it's going to hew closer to the books at all. It's just going to be. Disney's idea of Mary Poppins revisited, but with Emily Blunt. Yeah, isn't it like it's a sequel too, right? Mm. Like kind of a like a distant sequel kind yeah, of. Yeah, I think it's yeah, supposed to be set in, I think in the war, maybe like during the Blitz or something like that, or pre-Blitz. Uh, it looks. Oh, it'll be, it'll be nice. It'll be nice and light then. That's <laughs> well, you know, bringing light in the dark is what Disney is supposed to do. So. Jesus. She's got superpowers, though. Shouldn't she be dealing with the Nazis if she's got all that magic? Like, come on. Yeah, her superpowers are only for helping well-to-do white families, Mark. Like, teaching them manners and the joys of being together. I guess. It's just like, it's like those stupid things where, like, you know, like why why didn't the superheroes get involved in World War II and they have to come up with some ridiculous excuse? Like, all right, she's a witch. Why is she not doing this? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, <laughs> Go take this shit yeah. off. Anyway. In, re- in related news, uh, there was also a trailer for uh, Christopher Robin, the live action Pooh thing starring Ewan McGregor. Did you see this trailer? I did not. I did not know it's this so was like, happening. Oh my god! All right, so it's so it's okay. Go watch the trailer. Go look it up and watch it. We'll get a live react from you on uh, on this okay. episode. It's it's like 
it is so like emotionally manipulative. Like the whole bit is just it's 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 honestly it's twenty first century. Hope. Okay, it's like Christopher Robin has grown up and forgotten about his like life in the Hundred Acre Woods or whatever, and then Pooh comes back when he's at his lowest point and starts talking to him, and that it's bizarre. But watch watch the trailer and then we'll. Okay, I'm turning. Oh. Oh, it's even got the dad needs to work hard to support his family, but his, he's forgotten what it means to to love. Hey, Atwell. <laughs> yeah, that was like the one reason why I was like, I'll probably oh, end up gosh. seeing this eventually. The music is too much. That is some echoey piano. He actually says what to do, what to do, what to do. Oh, no. It looks like a horror movie. Oh. That animated Winnie the Pooh is a nightmare fuel. I don't like it. Yeah, it's oh, creepy, eh? Oh, gosh. Uh, hard pass. Hard pass on all of that. Jesus Christ. Do you have news you wanted to bring up? Yeah, um, there was... Ju- I just want to talk about the Nintendo Direct, because that was... Oh, okay. Well, first of all, what did you think of the Christopher Robin trailer? It di- It wasn't just emotionally manipulative, it was also super creepy. I, like, I already know what this movie is going to be just by looking at that trailer, but I... Uh, it's, yeah, it's it, Hook. It's, it's Hook. It's, I, have, I, yeah. I have no desire to see Winnie the Pooh outside of the 100 Acre Wood. Like, the... I I watched the Winnie the Pooh movie a lot when I was growing up, and I had the books. You really did, yeah. And I the only Winnie the Pooh stuff I've seen since then is has been Kingdom Hearts because uh, the One Hundred Acre Wood is like the the mini game central, and that's where Pooh belongs in the One Hundred Acre Wood, not the oh in in a creepy pseudo fuzzy. I don't. There was something off about the texture of his fur in the trailer that made him look really creepy. And I, well, it looks like he's been sitting in a closet for like two decades, which kind of makes sense. For sure. But I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm not, I, I've, I've seen one of the live action Disney, like kind of reboot remake things. I saw Maleficent just because it's Maleficent. Mm. And I was curious, I have no desire or inclination to watch any of those things anymore. I haven't watched a Disney movie in, well, okay. I was going to say, I haven't watched a Disney movie in years. That's fucking lies because like, I just saw the same one three times yeah. in a goddamn row, pretty much. And every movie that I've seen, actually, you know what? Honestly, every movie that I've run up to the movie theater that hasn't been a DCEU movie mm-hmm. in the past like two years has probably been a Disney movie at this point because it's all been just Marvel yeah. and Star Wars shit that we've been watching for this, really. So that's awesome. So <laughs> so, so that's a thumbs down from Paul. All right. Well, like so many thumbs down. Uh, 100 acres of thumbs down for sure. Amazing. All right, let's uh let's you had you had a couple news things. I you want to talk about Nintendo. So I want to talk about Nintendo. So Nintendo's Nintendo Direct has got me really excited. I think the biggest news coming out of it for me is the fact that Smash Brothers is coming to the Switch. Um no one knows yet if it's an update of Smash 4 or if it's a if it's going to be a sequel to Smash 5. But most people think it's going to be an enhanced Smash 4. Nintendo is currently in a state of salvaging all of the Wii U games and porting them over. So Smash is likely going to be a Smash 4 port um, with some enhancements. They're including the uh, the Squid Kids from Splatoon, which yeah. is going to be fun. I am super excited for the uh, port of Luigi's Mansion for the 3DS as well. I wish they just dumped that on Switch, though. Like, that's my one thing. It's like, I'd rather that be on Switch, because, like, that's a game I... 
like I don't mind playing on the 3DS because I've been playing Metroid and stuff like that on there, and it's fine. But like, I would that's a game I would want on my TV again because like I had a, I have fond memories of that game from the GameCube yeah. days, and would like to get that on the big screen again. I'm assuming it'll get ported eventually to uh, like Virtual Console or something like that. So like that's whatever. But right, I. I- I find it strange now. Like, I know that the, the 3DS has such a huge install base. Um, I don't understand why you wouldn't just do a dual release of, like, on the Nintendo eShop of a, the 3DS and Switch version of it. Um, so they can make make even more money because they're basically printing printing money at this point. Yeah. Well, especially, like, the Switch user base is not necessarily 3DS owners. Like, there's a lot of people coming aboard that are, like, new, uh, yeah. haven't owned a Nintendo handheld. I am one of those people. Like I'm not a mm-hmm. DS owner up until recently. So like, I, and I love my switch. Yeah. So I'd rather they just dump everything on the switch. But that being said, I mean, I know they've got their 60 or 75 million units of the fucking 3DS uh, family of systems out there. So it makes sense to make money where you can. But if I were them, I'd be like, dump it on both and see what happens. So the mm-hmm. 3DS people who don't have a switch yet can just buy it for 3DS. And all of us who have already moved over to the switch and want to play it there we can do that with, you know, a proper controller, which is really my big hang up there. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. I because they, they are doing that with um, Sushi Striker. Uh, it's that's a puzzle game that came out for 3DS and it's coming out for Switch as well, I think, in like a barely modified form. And I'm fine with that. Yeah. Like they can if they did that, then I could have my for someone who owns both systems, I can have my choice and I'm going to choose the Switch version more than likely. But that being said, I just want, I'm fine with more ports, like give me more ports, but um, yeah. I just, I, as someone who is really leaning on the switch and really enjoying my switch a lot, I want all of this, these 3ds games that can easily be played on the switch to just be there. And I, I it's yeah. just Agreed. Nintendo has been dragging its feet on its online for so long now that it's just, come on, Nintendo, give me, give me more. I think that's supposed to be fall, like the fall direct will have information on that. So I guess we'll have to wait through yeah. the summer to see what they're doing there. Um, that's the rumor that's going around anyway that I've heard. There's a, a bunch of other games that were announced on that direct too. Uh, Mario, is it, not, it's not Striker, Strikers is soccer, it's Mario Tennis, right? Or like, yeah, what Mario do they call Tennis. it? Mario Tennis Aces. Yeah, Mario Aces, that's it, Mario Tennis Aces, which looks like a lot of fun. Uh, I have vaguely fond memories of the N64 Mario Tennis that I think we played a, a little bit of for a couple weekends there. It was yeah. a lot of fun. Yep. Um, what else was there? Oh, they're porting the South Park game, or at least I know Fractured But Whole for sure. I can only imagine that as a as a uh, buying bonus, they'll probably give you a discount on uh, Stick of Truth too. Mm-hmm. Which, if you haven't played those games, you're fucking up. You really should get into that. That's they're a lot of fun if you're, especially if you're a South Park fan. But even then, if you're not, like it's South Park sense of humor, and in Stick of Truth, it's them doing a riff on Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings kind of fantasy, and then. Uh, Fractured But Whole is them doing a giant riff on superhero franchises and stuff. So it's it's a mm-hmm. lot of fun. Um, what else? I mean, we talked about Smash, Mario. Those were, the, those were kind of the big ones. Captain Toad Treasure Tracker is coming. Um, Okami HD is getting a Switch remake. Let's see. They, they've they announced for, for the RPG nerds out there... Um, there is a demo that was released called Octopath Traveler. Um, Which, like, that- looks... Like the art style of it is so interesting that I almost want to play it, but like I, yeah. then I saw like how it's like super tactics, like turn based, and I was like, I'm out. Yeah. I'm out. But it is beautifully art directed. 
Yeah, the it's very classic, but still the way that it moves and the way that it is animated is absolutely gorgeous. I played through both storylines. The The idea of Octopath Traveler is that there's eight storylines that interweave um, with eight different characters, and there's multiple paths that you can take through the, the storyline. And uh, hence, hence Octopath. Octopath. Like eight yeah, eight paths. Right. I was trying to figure out where that name like actually like comes from because I was like, that's a weird fucking name. Like that's that's the name that requires explanation. Yeah, and you know what I mean. Like it's not. And it was supposed to be a working title, but I think that it'd be like the demo did uh, got so much hype and uh, you got a lot of press. So I think they just stuck with that name because they didn't want to like degrade the brand that they'd kind of already built up with the the demos right. and stuff. That's what I understand anyway. So and where uh, Enix cool. has always had a a strange way of naming their games. We've got Final Fantasy, Bravely Default, uh, Kingdom Hearts, Octopath yeah, Traveler. Yeah. So, you know, they've always had like a kind of head scratcher names. So I'm fine with it. Yeah, even and like even the number, the numbering scheme that they use for their like stuff, like the Final oh, Fantasy X2s yeah. and like, oh, like what are like the Kingdom Come, Kingdom, like Kingdom Hearts, two and a half and 2.85s and shit like is that. so yeah, sorry, much Kingdom worse Hearts. for that. It's like a version 2.8. There's yeah. the 2.8 HD like chapter yeah. revisited uh, remix X- XD something like that. It's yeah, they are absurd. It's kind of it's obnoxious. So there and it even is. The, as a Kingdom Hearts fan, I fully agree with that. It's really annoying because like then there are then the the last version is the definitive version that has all the the HD upgrades and all the storyline uh, plot twists and all that stuff. So so they put out the the re remastered box set for ps5 in, in three years theory. or whatever you know what i mean just give me kingdom hearts 3 just give me kingdom hearts well that's that's on the that's on the release doctor for this year is it not i'm sure it'll get delayed into 2019 but it's supposed they, to come out this year no they um are the disney the japanese disney expo announcement was that they are going to 23 is is that they are going to announce the release date at e3 which is just oh, okay. and uh, we we kingdom hearts fans were just taking every little kernel they give us it's like mm, yeah, yes give yeah. me the, the monsters inc world yes we'll take it we love you again then we have to wait like another six months for anything i feel bad all i'm waiting for now like i don't care about any the only games i care about right now are the all those big sony first person or exclusive like first party Mm -hmm. games so like god of war is like imminent and like i want an announcement i need a fucking spider-man like release date like i need like somebody tell me when spider-man is coming out i am dying for fucking spider-man like you you just lied though because metroid prime 4 is on your radar yeah, but that's like tw- that's like earliest twenty nineteen. Like that's not coming out yeah, this year. That's so. true. That, I guess Red Dead too. Also, like I'm like I, it comes out the day before my birthday too. Apparently, like it's right around in that October window. So I'm like, just give me fucking Red Dead too. I need it yeah, so bad for sure. So, awesome. So before we move on to uh, our, our modified geek of the week, did you get that message from me? Uh, I have to reopen Facebook. So we do, obviously, Paul and I do another podcast called Side A, Side B, where we we throw records at each other and like force each other to listen to them. And then we do an episode of a podcast where we comment on them. But we're always talking about music stuff. Last night, I went and saw uh, Matthew Good and Our Lady Peace play in Hamilton. About halfway through Our Lady Peace's set, they started doing a cover of a song that Paul is super fond of in that they were covering Maps by the AAS. And I recorded it so that I could have Paul suffer the way I suffered, I guess. Here we go. So it's the end of Is Anybody Home? Uh-huh. 
which is one of the few songs where I thought Rain sounded okay, which I was cool with. And then they go, they break into this co- this cover of Maps, and I had feelings, and I wanted to share it with you because I assumed you would have feelings as well. <laughs> That's the face oh I was God. looking for. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> oh my God. It's so bad. This is worse than me at karaoke. Holy shit. That's so bad. Oh, don't double down, Rain. No. I apologize for the delay. So uh, so this is on the recording. He doesn't even try the key change because he can't do it. No. <laughs> no. Like I knew that he was never that great of a vocalist because he always had that affectation on his voice for all of his big singles. But that is just that is an affront to maps. Like I've heard a million covers of maps you know like uh, when that song was like on the getting radio play and stuff a lot of uh indie rock guys did covers ted leo did a cover of maps you know yeah Um, which is awesome which was you know a very ted leo thing to do but this is it's gross it's so bad and i hate it and i wish that it did not exist in our world and if I can say that I can sing a song better than the lead singer of a band, fucking quit. Fucking pack your shit up and go. I'm sorry. <laughs> On the uh, so the, it's 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 funny, right? So like I I, I watched that and it's just like Paul's gonna hate. I, I didn't like it either, so I was like Paul's gonna hate this. Lo and behold, in their encore, they also had Matt come out and they played Hello Time Bomb. Oh. The problem being that they had Rain sing most of the verses and like everything and it was just i recorded it all i think i posted to the facebook you'll have to watch it after like it's pretty bad and you can i was watching like i'm watching matt and he's just like he's just playing guitar and you can kind of tell like he's not Uh, i mean he's into it because he's having fun and stuff but i saw him look over at rain a couple times just like what are you doing with my fucking song dude like it was it was pretty funny um so needless to say I got the I got that one, which I figured would be fun to torture you. And my my comeuppance, my karma for it was having rain do time bomb, which was just like oh, neither, this is me neither for one that, of us came it? out of that unscathed. So no, I was I did not win that. I did not win that one at all. Oh, so that was oh, okay. Fuck that, that was bad. I, all right, that was all right. Bad. That was fun. I wanted I wanted to do that because I thought it'd be it'd be fun and different. I'm gonna I'm gonna do some audio stuff to it so that it's like. They can hear what you're listening to and then get your reaction over top of it. will just be very funny. Um, anyway, so let's move on. We're going to do Geek of the Week. If you want to do a tag for me real quick. Geek of the Week. But we're going to do something a little bit different. Um, because I've got my my very creative uh, Paul my brother here, and we like to do little weird hypothetical situations, as opposed to doing a traditional Geek of the Week, I want to throw a geeky hypothetical at Paul. And actually myself, because I want to answer it too. Um, 
so my first one, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and do this again with the guys, and I I've, I've warned them that I'm gonna I'm gonna try something new. So this is the new thing that I want to try. So I'm giving you a geeky, geeky hypothetical. Um, here's the question. So assume you've been transported to the 25th century in Star Trek times. After all, you're all weirdly debriefed and historians have prodded you about, you know, Emperor Trump's early days. Like you get to go home and now there are holodecks. So the question, what's the second program you create in the holodeck? Because we all know you're going to fuck first. (laughs) You know, you're having like a ridiculous orgy first, right? Like you're having, you're getting your fuck on first. It's the holodeck. All those holodecks are just plastered with semen. Uh, but they auto clean, right? You know, like. But they auto clean. Yes, yes, yes. Everything gets wiped out. That's fine. So you just whatever. What's the second program you create? My second orgy. <laughs> <laughs> How do I improve on the first one? Give yourself. You, you have at least fifteen minutes of refractory time here. Like, come on. All let's, right. So I'm not wrong, though, right? Like, you know, everybody. The first thing everybody's doing is just going in there and being like, "Wait, I can create Jessica Alba and Selma Hayek at the same time." Which is creepy, right, right. but you can do right, it. Exactly. So why would you? So not, right? my uh, my fantasy is pretty final because I would basically want to be a black mage in a real live version of Final Fantasy fourteen. That would be fucking incredible. That that is my dream. Like full on, like wide brimmed witch hat. Moogles everywhere riding chocobos. That would be my first program. Just like the 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 world of Final Fantasy, but I get to be a black mage that blows shit up. That would be the best. I would cast meteor all the time, like destroying dragons and behemoths everywhere. It would be yeah, that's what I want. One hundred percent. Awesome. That's okay. There you go. That's I didn't even think about going like traditionally video game with it. My my music nerd kicked in immediately uh, when I when I started thinking about it. And I was like, I can set myself up a rehearsal space because it's a holodeck. I can do whatever I want and I can rehearse with Pearl Jam. Like I could have Eddie Vedder and the whole group of guys come in and I could be their drummer in this holodeck program, which means we could go on a long tour. We could just jam all the time. You could get all those weird hypothetical like jam. (laughs) situations that you always wanted like what would it sound like if joanna newsom joined pearl jam in the studio well i could in theory find Mm -hmm. out because you would get to do that i didn't even think it wasn't until way later that i was like i could be superman in the holodeck because i I assume they could figure out a way to make all of that feel right and work right like you can fly and punch dudes into fucking spaghetti and shit like that because that's in theory what's going to happen right so but then you're gonna but then it's like it's gonna pause and you're gonna go back to your jessica alba program because like that's what you're gonna do with it. You're never gonna leave that right. room. I I just finished killing a dragon. How am I going to celebrate? <laughs> but yeah. My, yeah, with an with an yeah. elf girl. Like that's yeah. probably oh my gosh. Gonna Final Fantasy orgy starring. Oh, never mind. <laughs> We're not gonna get into that. But <clears throat> there you go. See exactly. Like you could have sex with the X Men. Oh yeah. Like how oh. much fun would that be? Yeah. Yeah. So many hypotheticals. Okay. Exactly. My thing is, I'd want... When you talked about meeting real people, I automatically go to the Star Trek episodes where they have, like, PBS character actors playing, like, the various real people. (laughs) Yeah, and it just makes me cringe, because it's like, uh, this is your... This is, like, the the idea of who, like, uh, Virginia Woolf is based on the programming, like, you know, because there's no download of 
Virginia Woolf's brain, for instance, or we're not at the point where we can, we have a hard drive that contains Joanna Newsom's essence or something. So meeting real people, if it were possible and they were able to recreate that authentically, I'd be definitely down for that. But I would be hesitant just like knowing that historical figures who have, it would just be some kind of approximation of who they are as opposed to like the real deal. Yeah. But it's still, it's still, it would still be fun to play alive with the band. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, just having that projection and like being able to, you know, yeah, for sure. I was just so excited. I could have unlimited symbols at that point. Like I could just, I could pick any symbol <laughs> in history to put on my kit. I'm like, this is, this is too that many is, options. It's too many that options. Is, that it is the most mundane drummer bullshit I've ever It is. It's craziness. But it's like you could totally get like really fucking nitpicky about like I'm picky enough now when I'm buying them. Could you imagine you had unlimited fucking access? Just put whatever symbols you want on your kit. Like, and this goes for anything, really, like anything like that. Like, that's just like my particular example. Well, you could so. have the holodeck engineer symbol that had the perfect tone for you for every single, exactly. For every single song. Exactly. So... Like every hit was like a perfect tone for exactly what it needed to be right there, which would be annoying. Yeah. But like, yeah, man, you could just do yeah. whatever you want. But that's so, not, that's not rock and roll. <laughs> that was geeky hypothetical. That was a little. That was kind of fun though. I enjoyed that. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I definitely. Yeah, Final Fantasy Orgy. Final yeah. Fantasy Orgy. There it is. There you go. There it is. I know. I was trying to think of like a super team that didn't have like a ninety percent men as the. You know what I mean? So that, like, at least the numbers were a little even. The X Men was the closest I could come up with. Where Ex- Excalibur during the Kitty Pride Nightcrawler yeah. run was probably, but then you know they're kind of they're all C listers, so whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, C list superheroes still probably pretty hot. So probably, yeah, mean, whatever. Mean, Kitty Pride, whatever. Though. Yeah, exactly. She's married married woman though. though. Did you not see that? She got married to Colossus in a couple. Yeah, of we'll see how that goes because X Men weddings are always yeah. super uneventful, and you know. Straightforward. Yeah, exactly. No villains are gonna. No villains never, are gonna show up to that. Never in a million years. All right. All right. We did. We did a pretty good time. It's only an hour. That's that's not bad for dance robot dance. We are at meat of the episode. So let's uh, meat of the episode. Invincible meat. Just chunky, beat up, torn apart meat is probably the most accurate Ugh. way to describe a lot of what's meat gonna... spilling out everywhere. Everywhere. Just. God. Just bright, bright red blood, like up to your fucking shoulders. Yeah. Beautiful. So this week in February, Invincible, the comic book uh, ended. So with uh, issue 144, the other guys do not read comics the way Paul and I read comics. So uh, with them, with them absent, I I asked Paul to catch up to Invincible. uh, And I've been dying to do an episode about this comic for ages. Mm -hmm. So here's my shot. I'm taking my shot. So if you are not a comic book like Invincible reader and you feel like tuning out now, you got an hour of Dance Robot Dance this week. We are going to deep dive and get really kind of nitty gritty into a comic book that Paul and I both love. If you have not read Invincible, get on Comixology. It's 144 issues and like two more or less mandatory uh, miniseries, both Invincible Universe and Adam Eve and Rexplode, I think are the two you really have to read to kind of keep the story flowing properly. Well, we're going to talk about Invincible tonight. Invincible is created by Robert Kirkman and a couple, Corey Walker and Ryan Otley, were the artist, the primary artists throughout the course of the book. Um, they did most of the 144 issues. I think there's another guy in there somewhere whose name I'll have to look up. I can't remember. Excuse me. Way later in the run. 
though. Um, so do you remember reading the first arc? I do remember reading the first arc. Um, that was, <clears throat> God, that was at the end of it's like high school. 15 years ago, first of all. Yeah. yeah. So that was, I think Invincible started, what, 2003? And yeah, it was 2003, 2004, approximately, when the first, like, the book started getting yeah. released. It predates, technically predates Walking Dead, if I'm not mistaken, too. Like, I think it was Kirkman's first big, like, yeah. kind of breakout book. And uh, I remember picking it up based on the strength of... Somebody must have recommended it to me, because I'm pretty sure I'm the one who brought it into yeah. the house for the two of us. And I read the first, like, arc or two and was like, you should read this, because yeah, it's pretty Yeah, I remember good. being, like, the art got... And n- normally the art doesn't get me right away, but the art always in Invincible was always stellar and, like always really brightly colored and just really attractive. And I was like, (laughs) generally like a Superman style Western superhero wouldn't grab me so quickly, but it did have a a vibe to it right away that really got me into it. So it largely, it always kind of felt to me like um, it Mm. it reminded me of like Batman beyond or like, like Spider-Man in that like he's a teenage superhero, like kind of come into grips with these, but it's just that it's, he's got, he's not at that like mid tier kind of power level. He's at like the far end, like Omega level fucking yeah. powerful kind of power set compared to, yeah, Batman Beyond's got a suit and like Spider-Man, like I can pick up a car, like invincible can like crack open a fucking planet if he has yeah. to eventually kind of thing, like as they build up the strength that he has, but like that first arc and we're going to spoil it. So spoilers. Um, the first arc begins with Mark Grayson, who is the the main character, Invincible, discovering he has superpowers and kind of donning a superhero kind of persona as Invincible and kind of joining the superhero community at large. He ends up joining the team something team. I don't remember what the team team, team, team is. That what it's called? The team team. That's, that's a terrible. That's a mm-hmm. terrible fucking name. <laughs> Some of the mm-hmm. names are pretty bad. There's a lot of those in yeah. this. There's a lot of weird naming choices. A lot of XBs of big. Uh, Marvel and DC characters show up in this so they kind of like they're they're winking at you a lot with a lot of the, the way the characters are happening it's like oh the glo- the Guardians of the Globe are very clearly the Justice League uh, yeah um, and and not 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 always in a clever way no, not always clever. Some, sometimes in a clever he's, way he, he's better later I think especially early on he was doing it very quickly so that you would you would attach yourselves to the characters quickly which I think was yeah. a, kind of a smart move but he's so quickly like massacres everybody because spoilers again omni-man is from this race of fucking alien like you think he's kryptonian almost but he comes from a warrior race of call i'm gonna say viltrumite is the way i'm pronouncing yeah. it. omni-man being invincible's father we didn't mention yeah, yeah omni-man being uh nolan grayson who is yeah mark mark grayson invincible's father uh he betrays everybody destroys like brutally massacres and like that was something that like I took away from that early on, like how jarring it was to go from what was kind of a light, friendly Ultimate Spider-Man yeah. level kind of like style of book, and then he just like is punching through people, and you right. see everything. I was just like, this is kind of genre like mood whiplash a little bit, yeah. But it was so effective and jarring that I loved every second of it, and I was hooked. Like that was it. I was like, I'm in for this ride forever after that arc because. So upon it's amazing. Upon rereading this, and I couldn't believe that I didn't make this connection before, and I, I was like, "I'm a fucking idiot." This is Spider-Man meets Dragon Ball Z, and I couldn't believe it. It I, is, yeah. The, the Vulture 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 I did. I, 
like because yeah, nice. I'm not part of the Invincible fandom, so I don't know like the. But I was I was rereading through the 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 first arc, and I'm like, this is basically the Goku storyline, except the father sticks around, and yeah. I was yeah. just like, shit, man. I and viewing it viewing it through that lens, considering like uh, this week, um, I had been watching a lot of um, anime, um, and I I was reading this and like, holy shit, I can't believe I didn't make this connection before. But these are these are Saiyans, and the storyline is just like Kirkman's Dragon Ball Z through the lens of Spider Man and Superboy, basically. So yeah, and I'm yeah. down. It worked. Yep. I don't know how it worked, but it worked. He's funny because like uh, when when people started mentioning that to him, he was like, "Oh, I'm not familiar with Dragon Ball Z." When he went and watched, he was like, "Yes, I I didn't yeah. steal it intentionally, but it's the same thing." I'm sorry, but it totally works. And I also think that like from what I remember of Dragon Ball, I remember watching you watching it or like being around when you were watching it. Uh, Invincible moves at a rate like a clip that is almost breakneck at all times. Which when you compare and contrast to the way those dragon ball episodes kind of they called it lingered drag on ballsy you know drag yeah. on yeah drag on ball yeah exactly yeah. it definitely did it did there's a lot more movement in invincible yeah. and that's saying something because it exactly. is a comic book and is therefore immobile but there's a lot more movement in the story of invincible than like dragon ball tended to have per episode i know eventually dragon ball gets really big and stuff yeah. like that but it it doesn't move at quite the fucking brisk pace that invincible moves at well and you're comparing different media too, oh, because like the, the manga version of dragon ball z um is a little bit more akin to the clip of invincible and you can read it at your own pace right and that's the original yeah. story the 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 drag on concept was part of the like the animators milking that fucking franchise for all it was worth because it it still makes a shit ton of money they've got a they've got dragon ball super coming out now that's doing gangbusters as well so i was just like i i was taken aback at the parallels but i really in like having the dragon ball z storyline as a western style superhero book was such a it's it works really well because it Dragon Ball Z is really a, a numbers game. Like they were obsessed with who had the highest power level. Like they, my power level is 1 million. What the fuck does that mean? But they were obsessed with it. Right. And yeah. this is a little bit more like, it gives you a little bit more fluidity. It's like, oh, just because this person has like a power level of this doesn't mean they're necessarily going to win the fight. And there's more to it than that. And it's not just the fights for the sake of fights. There are character motivation. But there's a lot better character motivations in Invincible than there is in Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, I always felt like Dragon Ball seemed like it was just like a lot of like it was a lot of dick measuring. I felt like it's like I'm gonna I want to fight you because everybody says you're the strongest and that oh, kind yeah. of like it felt a little WWE back in the day to me. It was like you have the belt, like you yeah. have the belt. I want the belt. Let's have a match. Like, let's fight. You know what I mean? Like, that's what it always felt like to me. Whereas Invincible, Kirkman does a really great job of, yeah. like, making yeah. all the fights relatively plot relevant for the most part. I mean, there's the occasional one that he yeah. just kind of throws at you, like the like when some like when Conquest shows up and he just kind of yeah. appears. But that also feeds into, like, more story going forward. And that is, that's the first time I remember, like, I remember the Omni-Man fight being, like, pretty cringy because he really beats the shit out of Mark. But the that first conquest yeah. fight was like I was like the gloves like that's where I feel like the gloves come off and that's where Invincible becomes not it's not as it's always fun like Invincible is always fun it's a great read but yeah that's where you start feeling like there's real heavy stakes involved because 
Conquest just rips them apart, like just really beats everybody to within an inch of their like yeah lives kind of thing. So and I and that that's great, but at the same time, if like it stays at that register for like the rest of the the comics run, and that's good and bad in a lot of ways because like the the dramatic tension is always really high, but it stays high for like you know. 100, 100 straight issues, issues like that, that you never quite get a breather from it except there's little there's little breaks like the reboot storyline way later on and stuff like that there are little breaks in it like and even the dinosaurus storyline has a it is high drama but it's a different kind of like it's more people are going to die not like anybody any of our heroes are in trouble at this point because like by that point mark has progressed to being one of the most powerful viltrumites yeah. out of all of them and so dinosaurs is barely a threat to him yeah. at that point so which kind of brings me to my my next question uh what was your favorite arc there's there's a lot of them in here but what's your favorite um i would have to go with the invincible war oh good fucking paul yeah absolutely i really like the invincible i'm i'm a pretty f- anything with angstrom levy yeah angstrom i think is my favorite villain of the series like his- so why don't you why don't you fill in the backstory so like we're at least explaining <laughs> some of this stuff we're not just naming names and going right through, so. so um because there's a lot a lot of plot to cover so yeah if you like again if you haven't read this we really recommend you go and read it and like come back probably at whatever or just if you're gonna duck out duck out we're totally fine yeah. that's cool we just want to do the invincible episode and get it out of the way this is going to be a bonus episode i think uh was the original plan but yeah it's not so <laughs> yeah okay so the invincible war angstrom levy is a character that gets introduced pretty early on his reason for being there is pretty nebulous until he starts to reveal his greater plan um he's a dimension hopper and he's trying to turn his dimension hopping ability into a more precise machine by taking all of the other angstrom levies from different dimensions from the multiverse from the multiverse to combine their intellect so that he can have more precision in his dimension hopping and then things get a lot worse when he gets i think when he gets disfigured and goes fucking crazy when, when he 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 hires the the Mahler twins to build a machine that will dump all that information into the the because the only Angstrom Levy in the multiverse that has dimension hopping powers is our Angstrom Levy, so he gets he wants all of their brains information dumped into his brain so that he can more accurately yeah like we said more accurately control his dimension hopping. The problem is that Invincible shows up about halfway through and then he proceeds he inter like. He starts a fight with the Mahler twins and Angstrom Levy like tries to get out of the machine while it's in process, but he blames yeah, Invincible yeah. for ending up disfiguring him. And like all kinds of weird harrowing shit happens, but it eventually leads to the Invincible War, which is like the coup de grace of the Angstrom Levy storyline. So Right, where Angstrom Levy decides to get his revenge on Invincible by collecting Invincibles from other dimensions uh, to attack our dimension and our invincible and the ensuing damage to the planet and the world is catastrophic. They never give you an exact number on the death toll, but it's well above a million, like by the, like a couple hours after the fight, they've already tallied that up. Yeah. It's weird too, because like during that whole fight, they take all these guys out, like all these other invincibles out because it happens so fast and it's so brutal, but our invincible, like our Mark Grayson, is sidelined almost immediately as Adam Eve gets injured, right? So yeah. he's by her side yeah. the entire time. While like the rest of, I don't even remember how they fight most of them. Like they just kill a lot of invincibles yeah. in really brutal ways. Yeah, so. one of the invincibles, the Mohawk 
Invincible has a little bit more to do. He lasts a little longer than the other Invincibles, but he still ends up getting fucked up as well. So yeah, they they destroy yeah. all of them, and it's awesome because they always let like have these storylines, but they they fold out into other stuff too. Like he's so good about taking these storylines that are amazing on their own. Like that's such a cool idea once you're in the middle of Invincible to have all these multiverse Invincibles show up, and like it shows the how easily the Mark character could have, like the Invincible character could have gone bad because they say a couple times, like, yeah, when I'm universe hopping, more of you are evil than are good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're one of the rare ones who stayed on like the side of like the good guy side kind of thing. Cause it seems like a lot of the marks go fucking nuts eventually and start taking over. So, yeah, but I do like, like the follow up, the follow up story where they end up finding the other invincibles on that, of that desert planet and they've been eating each other because they're stranded on this like horrible desert where I was like that's disgusting and amazing like yeah so gross Robert Kirkman does enjoy stories about people eating people so <clears throat> yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, a lot of cannibalism or what I don't know is it cannibalism if you're different species because I don't I don't know how that works exactly no well they're humanoid yeah. most of the time but it's a lot of people or like sentient beings being consumed by other sentient beings. And uh, it's something that Kirkman really likes to show it to show that things are quote unquote, getting serious. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it, it works. It works. I, yeah. So all in all, like the invincible war, because Angstrom it was, is probably one of my favorite characters in the series because he was, because of the way his character was built and introduced and the ensuing rampage of the Invincible War fights, it was just really fun to read. So, yeah, Invincible absolutely. Sure. Nice. That's that's probably, like, the whole Angstrom-Levy story is kind of my favorite, like, subplot of the book, mm-hmm. for the most part. Especially because he eventually comes to realize that, like, oh, shit, I was wrong the whole time and I fucked up. And, like, it, it takes a long time to get there, but it eventually does get there. And he does, I think he kind of sacrifices himself mm. at one point. I'm a little funny. Yeah. But, like, he... He kind of takes one for the team at the end of everything and his son shows back up later and all that kind of stuff. So we've Invincible War is definitely like way up there. I like I, we talked about Conquest. I thought Conquest was it was the first time where I was like, oh, the like this Viltrumite problem is like this is going to be a serious fucking issue and it's going to continue on through the yeah. end. I think the actual Viltrumite War later on when they really start cutting them up and they end up on Earth yeah. at the end is like my favorite kind of like status quo shift of the book and that's the one big thing that invincible does there is always kind of a status quo but they tend to shift the larger story status Mm -hmm. quo quite a bit and so you're always ending up with these weird situations where like oh the viltrumites are now hiding on earth and like the viltrumites are not identical to humans except for the fact that they tend to be tall and built like gods like they're just yeah supermans and Overall. fucking ceremonial mustache thing which and the mustaches which is so funny <laughs> <laughs> i love that like it it just this book is a pretty serious dour book in a lot of parts but it does ha- keep its sense of humor even if it is pretty obtuse like all of the aliens having these fucking 80s dad stashes that's just i i love i love that i just just that's something i will because <laughs> it, it was jarring to look at for a while because it was like why why this particular look why do they all look the same wait what is this a thing and then they talk about that it's the ceremonial fucking viltrumite mustache gold loved it yeah there's lots of little like snarky jokes like they lampshade a lot of their own shit 
in this book a lot, whether it be the artist doing it visually or Kirkman just like in dialogue shitting on himself or comic books in general or late shipping books, which Invincible was notoriously a very late shipping book in the middle of its run and stuff like that. Just like a lot of fun. So like, yeah, the the writing, I've always found the writing on Invincible to be like, there's there's some issues here and there, but I think for the most part, it's like on a on a panel to panel basis. Like, just like the way they all interact and the dialogue and that kind of stuff. I always found it was, for the most part, pretty beyond reproach. Like, it was always pretty solid. And for me, I find that interesting because, uh, to me, I think the overall plotting is really good, even if it's, like, it does have that, not a problem, but the the creative choice of staying at a 10, danger-wise, almost the whole time can get a little bit exhausting. Um, The character development... It does kind of make sense, though. Absolutely. because this is right, so I think that the whole idea is that the whole run of Invincible is a pivotal moment in history, the history of yeah. the universe for the universe and for Mark Grayson. And so I get yeah. that it, it's like it's constantly moving. So that's I I'm fine with that. I think it was the right choice for me. the The dialogue I like the dialogue, but it does feel kind of flat sometimes. And by that I mean it. None of the characters have that many ticks or um, particular ways of speaking that make the dialogue a little bit more interesting. Everyone kind of speaks the same way. And so, yeah, they all have, well, it's kind of like a Bendis. Yeah. Like Bendis and Kirkman have, have all both kind of have a, like, it's a weird way to say, it, but they both kind of have a patois, both the way they use yeah. dialogue and Kirkman falls into some traps where like, they all kind of start to yeah. talk like Kirkman talks, which works out. Okay. Some characters don't, I find there's like the, the core character kind of has their own, voice even if it is yeah generally a fairly snarky voice for the most part so yeah it's there's he does because there's so much exposition in this book and that can get a little bit dream but i do like like you said the main character interactions are always pretty spot on and some of the characters have more personality than others for sure it's just that I think uh, Kirkman had a tendency to introduce a lot of characters all at once. And they had like maybe one defining characteristic and they were usually visual as opposed to character. So when it came to differentiating them, like it really, he really took his time with a lot of the characters. Like I think the only character that like immediately stood out, no, there's a couple, but like, for example, monster girl, like she was, her character was immediately like, someone that stuck in my brain whereas a lot uh or alan the alien of course yeah whereas a lot of other characters i was like uh who are like you just kind of fade into the background kind of thing yeah i think that was kind of supposed to happen like he's doing a giant universe like interconnected universe in one book whereas like a marvel or dc like those are all giant interconnected universes and you can have like their individual books doing that heavy lifting. Whereas Invincible, he was yeah. shorthanding a lot of it just because he didn't have those six other books to go in like develop. Like, I mean, yeah, there was a tech jacket book and there's a, a werewolf book, uh, astounding Wolfman book and like mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And there's eventually a globe guardians of the globe book that comes out. So like those characters get to expand a little bit out there, but if you're just reading invincible, like to read invincible, they're there to fill placeholder. And because like the yeah. threats he deals with are going to be, world spanning like all these characters are going to have to get involved so i mean it makes sense and i think he uses everybody as effectively as he has to at that point and like he's got his core like the, the main cast of invincible i always thought was pretty well fleshed yeah. out and i really enjoyed all of them interacting together like they all had good dynamics against each other kind of yeah. thing like he had probably the core like say 10 characters 
that would bounce off each other really nicely. And then a, a, a good, another probably 10 characters that were like secondary characters that he had pretty fleshed out, like an immortal, like the immortal or monster girl would be one that's like that. Or even robot in some ways. Yeah. Um, even Mrs. Grayson, yeah, like his mom. I love his yeah. mom as a character. Debbie is a, a really wonderful fleshed out character, especially in the beginning arcs when she's first dealing with Nolan leaving the planet and her alcoholism and her, her developing that her the friendship with the publisher. What's her name? Oh, oh yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, the Star Spangled guy's fucking wife, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like that all felt really real, yeah. and it all felt yeah. like if, if I think about how mom would deal with something like that, that you know, like that that felt right. I like I'm, I'm not I'm not saying like my our mom would turn alcoholic i'm trying to picture dad as omni man and like it's kind of funny yeah no i just it's just, she just like she did her best to keep her life moving along it's got the to be fair he's got the mustache though that's um, yeah for sure absolutely so uh Whereas yeah. we've gone we've gone full beard the next generation but yeah the next generation. That, that, that's 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 rocking full mustache <laughs> yeah, still yeah just bigger hairier that's how we do yeah yeah, yeah. exactly um uh, yeah cool so while we're talking about characters, who's your favorite character? Like, who's the one you, who's the character you look forward to showing up the most? Oh, that's so fucking hard to say. It's, if I have uh, to pick just I, one, do I have to pick yeah. just one? I'm going to pick. Uh, well, we can pick, pick one and then we can talk about the other ones. Okay. That you like, kind of All think, right. So I love Alan. I love Alan the alien. Yes. Okay. Everybody loves Alan though. I think Alan's like the dark horse. Like I think he's kind of generally regarded as like the yeah. favorite character. He's the, the spike fandom. of the fandom or something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I love him. He's just like he's a big goofball yeah. and stuff like that. But he does when he has to get serious, he get yeah. he gets serious. And like I loved, I loved the early on uh, when he first encounters other Viltrumites and he just gets fucking stomped. Yeah. But they're like, this is going to be interesting because he's almost got like a doomsday esque power to the Viltrumites, where whatever kills him makes him infinitely stronger. <laughs> Excuse after the me, fact. that is the Saiyan's power. That is actually that's straight is from it? Dragon Ball Z. Every. Okay, every time a Saiyan gets beat up and heals, their power level skyrockets. So that's straight out of Dragon Ball. (laughs) Well, that's what happens with Doomsday, too, is every time you kill him, you can't kill him the same way again, and his power level increases slightly when he resurrects. Uh So uh, I I thought that's where I can, obviously, I'm watching. So that was, uh, that's maybe one of the reasons I like Alan the Alien so much, because, uh, it, like, functionally, he works as, an, a, one of the fan favorites from Dragon Ball Z is Piccolo, the green alien guy. Um, you've probably seen what yeah, he looks okay. like. And yeah. um, he's never quite as strong as the rest of the cast. He always kind of falls behind. And he, when you're talking about wharf effect, like, send someone out to gauge the power of the enemy get and get stomped, that's Piccolo. So having yeah. Alan, like, have that same power while still being the, the Piccolo of the series made me super happy. And I just, and he is a goofball. He's lovable as hell. And, like, I love I love his relationship with his girlfriend where, like, he's not supposed to be having sex with this woman, but, like, she does. And then they show you like them having like some kind of interaction and they're like back to back and there's like tentacles and stuff i'm like (laughs) yeah oh man they really think went way too hard thinking about some of this alien sex stuff in this book like these guys yeah obviously sat around thinking about it the way you and i would sit around thinking about this ridiculous nonsense like yeah they're gonna have they're gonna have sex but like it's alien sex so like how do we do it and just be like they're not even touching each other but tentacles like that's how weird it is like it's gonna get weird let's get weird we get weird let's get weird we're gonna get weird so Why not? I mean, aliens have to have biological functional sex, but can they also have fetishes? Probably. I mean, they're... And just just imagine how weird they would seem to us, you know what I mean? Like, just... 
bizarre. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah, I love, I love, I love Alan. Alan's, Alan's great. So. Who's your favorite character? I mean, it's it would be rote to say Mark, but I. I think he he's the strongest character. I mean, obviously he's the main character, so he gets the most development. But like, I really like Adam Eve yeah. personally. Like, I have a I have a I love Adam Eve's character. Yeah, I just I just like the fact that like she seems like a realistic character. Like she's a three dimensional, yeah. fleshed out character who also just happens to be able to kick ass and look amazing yeah. in that little pink outfit that she wears. So they I don't know. I just I just like the like, and she reacts so realistically. I think anyway to some of the like really insane stuff that happens, like the reboot arc where Mark disappears for five years. Her reaction to all of that and like eventually snapping at him that like this is all your fucking fault. Like if you would just yeah stay home with your family, none of this shit would have happened. And like she really, but like she still loves him and like mm-hmm. they still like end up together and stuff. But like there are moments of real tension between them that don't always and what i like about it is they don't always fall into like oh they're breaking up and like yeah, well they won't they nonsense. Totally like normal. they're always together it's just sometimes there's friction in a relationship and that's super realistic and i totally love the way that like she yeah handles that and is her own character and does her own thing but it's still always there for mark like i think kirkman in that way did a really awesome job with all his female characters really like this is a very like kind of feminist book in without having an over the top, like smash you over the head feminist agenda to it. Like all the female characters are super strong and can hold their own and like, mm-hmm. absolutely. Whatever. And they're, so. they, they have lives and stories that are independent of the men in the story, which is like, really. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there are a lot of female characters in this book who, you know, they have romantic entanglements, but it never really defines them except, <laughs> except for Anissa. But which one's Anissa? we're going to look, that's the Viltrumite that rapes Mark. Oh yeah, yeah. We'll get to that. But yeah, the, only, uh, the only other one I found problematic was Duplicate. Like yeah. that was the only other one that I was like, she's a little gold diggy, and that's like her only character trait. But she's one of those secondary characters where like that's her primary character trait, and that's what she does. Yeah, but. and she, I, I, it's easy to forget about her too. Uh, like, uh, but uh, no, I do like, I do like her name, like the her and her brother's names though, because like Duplicate and Multipal are like really good clever little puns for people who have like that madroxy multiple yeah. man power i'm like it's on the nose but i'm like you know what i'm gonna give it to you like that i love i really like those names too to be honest yeah. when i when it was when i got to the introduction of multiple my name being paul of course i was just all like no that's too good how dare you how dare you yeah, <laughs> yeah. eventually they get really clever with the naming convention like the naming of the, the characters like early on they're like oh yeah our batman xp is called darkwing like well that's yeah. kind of on the nose and like Superman's Omni Man, like it's all very, but eventually they get to the War point Woman. where, yeah. yeah, War Woman, like that kind of stuff. They eventually get to the point where they're naming their own characters, and it's like a lot better, yeah. and it's a lot more fun. So like you get like like the bulletproof guy and stuff like that later, and like uh, Battle Beast, and eventually like those yeah. kind of characters start coming up. Those guys are cool as and, shit. Um, so. There is a, a moment where it's when they're going, it's Invincible and titan and they're going to take out machine head and they have those like yeah. six villains who are just so over the top ridiculous and battle beast is one of them and becomes a recurring character in the book who i love uh and answers one of my uh, one of my uh one of my ooh, next questions which yeah. is like favorite fight um, like the, yeah the, yeah but yeah the character so. naming gets better favorite fight though that's a yeah. well before we get into like that favorite fight because that's kind of like a, a a later thing what other characters like do you groove on a lot i'm with you on adam adam eve i think that she is a wonderfully made character from the beginning i was like uh, yeah. like and i love uh, early on she has that speech about like i i don't want to just be fighting bank robbers and being in my pretty pink suit like my power is to 
manipulate matter on a molecular level that is ridiculous. And she goes off to Africa to like help people in a more fundamentally humane way. And that just speaks so much to who she is as a character. And I immediately loved her. I already liked her at that point in the arc, but when she did that, I was like, yeah, fuck yeah, Adam Eve. Um, Another character that we talked about a little bit before, but I still absolutely adores Angstrom Levy. I love his entire arc. Yeah. Um, I think that it's one of the more, most compelling things in the whole Invincible arc, and I love it. Uh, Mark, too, don't get me wrong. I mean, main character, he's really fun to watch develop. But, and I mentioned before, Debbie. I love Debbie. I like Debbie, and like Debbie feeding, feeding off of Debbie, uh, Oliver yeah. ends up being one of my f- absolute favorite characters in the book. Uh, I love the fact that he plays up, they play up the fact that he's not quite human, even though he was raised kind of on the planet. Like that genetic difference is enough to distance himself Mm -hmm. from humanity a lot. And like, he's not as connected to everybody and all that kind of stuff. And eventually kind of turns on maybe half-heartedly turns on Mark and like his family and stuff like that. But he has like those moments where he's, you know, not necessarily the strongest willed character out of the bunch of them. And he's way more, I guess impulsive as Mark is early on, like Oliver's triply. So kind of thing. And, I, I like that character because like it did a really good job of like making you believe that he is not human. Like he's everything's a little weird to him and he's not really sure where he fits in. And that's why he eventually leaves and like goes and lives on. Uh, I want to call it Telescria? The, the Nova Chorus homeworld, but I can't remember yeah. what it's like Telescria. Telescria. Yeah. Um, where he goes and lives on Telescria with his insect lady wife. Cause he yeah. comes from a people of that are insectoid and has super short lifespans. So yeah, he would be attracted to another insectoid. I guess that makes sense, right? Even though his Viltrumite yeah. DNA makes him look like a tall, dark-haired <laughs> man. Uh, actually, oddly enough, a lot like you at, in, by the time that last arc comes up. I was like, oh, if Paul slicked his hair back and cut his like down to a mustache, I'm like, he is Oliver. It's a little creepy. It's a little weird. but In, in person. Yeah, I love that character. Well. No, not at all. Uh, uh, a little, a little, a little weird and impulsive. I can see, yeah, just a little bit. Maybe that's why I like them. He reminded me of my little brother a little bit. So. <laughs> yeah, Oliver's arc was really interesting to watch. Like early on, he's a little bit more Machiavellian and justify yeah. the means, and he never really breaks free from that mentality because he doesn't value human life the same way that Mark does. So I, I liked the way. I'm sad that he didn't make it to the end because yeah. that was a bummer. But yeah. Yeah, him and his end and spoilers, like Omni Man doesn't make it to the end either. It's very late in the run, but they do kill Nolan eventually, which is like the one death, with the exception of the couple times where they kill Eve and like she regenerates or whatever. Like the first, but the first time, like I think it's Conquest kills Eve the first time. Like, yeah, that death, like I was, I was, I almost fucking stopped reading. Yeah. I was like, if they kill fucking Adam Eve, I'm out. Like, I don't like, fuck this book. Fuck this book. And she regenerates the next issue. Like if I, I think it, it, she regenerates across an issue break too. Yeah. And the way I always read Invincible was like I was a trade waiter. I would wait till there was a, like an arc or two that I could read all at once. If they, if I had just read that issue and they killed, I would never have finished reading it. <laughs> I would have been like, nope, fuck you, Kirkman. And I would, I would have like angry tweeted at him and been like, hey, like why did you fucking kill Adam Eve? Because no, like no, 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 no. no. <laughs> she was she was the best, one of the best characters in the book, and yeah, and and, and it was yeah the, that death in particular, uh, her first one anyway was like that was brutal. Yeah, brutal. So yeah, yeah, super brutal. Yeah, cool. Let's move along to, and this will lead into that the question I was going to ask. But like, who's who's the villain? You think? I mean, obviously we said Angstrom Levy. I think mm-hmm. Angstrom Levy is going to be like kind of the the overall. Although I did have. I had a fondness for Thrag. 
like there was there was something about like how over the top Thrag was as a villain. Yeah. That I kind of liked. Like he was very General Zod, you know what I mean? Like yeah. and I think as a Superman story that kind of worked for me. Yeah. Especially because that plan of using Oliver's race as half-powered Viltrumite cannon fodder, I thought was a really clever like that's a good clever plan for a villain to go with. It didn't quite work out for him the way he wanted it to, but it was still like it still it was a really harrowing scene when you just see these guys, like all these, I can't remember what that race is called, but like the half uh, insectoid yeah. people just pretty much getting turned into paste as they fly into the full power Viltrumites and stuff like that. But like on mass, like hundreds of them just like liquefying as they get punched in the face by Nolan or Mark or something like that. Cause they're just not anywhere near that upper echelon Viltrumite yeah. power level kind of thing. So, but it's just really, it was just really gross to see him just like, I fathered all these children. Yeah. And we'll now use them as just cannon fodder. Like they're just there to slow you guys down so that I can get behind you and pull your fucking head off. And I was like, oh, that's scummy in a way that like, scummy and pragmatic in a way that like, I was like, I'm not comfortable with this at all. Yeah. So. I think that if it comes to like mustache twirling, like evil, evil villain, Thrag is like, the guy guy. um when it comes to someone who's a little bit more uh nuanced angstrom i think is definitely more on that uh, end of the spectrum yeah i think those two are my top two villains i'm not a big fan of like anissa uh and the whole rape storyline it was really weird that arc kind of didn't go any like there's no real payoff to that arc except for like mark dealing with the trauma and then him having like them of having had a son that kind of pays off in a rush yeah. at the end of the series, which I thought was, it was interesting and well done, but I was like, I kind of wanted to see that story. And we'll get to that later. Like how yeah. I felt about the ending kind of thing. But before we get there, we've talked about favorite villains and favorite characters, favorite fight though. Cause invincible is n- like known for insanely overly choreographed, long dragged out, ultra violent, like hyper violent fights um, that tend to be the centerpiece of big arcs. So what's your favorite fight? Like, what's oh, the one that stands out to you? Is like There's so many. Um, I, I'm kind of, a, like, on the bookend of the spectrum here. When I'm saying, like, the first fight between Nolan and Mark is, like, it. it's a tone setter. So emotional. It's so well done. And, like, we didn't really talk much about Nolan as a favorite character, but he's up there, too. He's fucking awesome. Yeah, Nolan's great. And that the ending of that fight is just so... Uh, you could see how frustrating it is for him and how brutal it was for Mark too. It was that, that is a really emotional, uh, a fight with a lot of emotional impact that was still super stylish and well, like the art was beautiful for it. Like when the, the, at that last punch, when he's like getting dragged across the mountain because of the impact of the punch and stuff like that was. Yeah. yeah. I, we gotta, that's the point where like, we got to shout out Ryan Otley's art on those fights. Like he just, just crushes every fight like everyone is just so visceral and like in your face and you feel every impact like that's uh, quite a fucking talent for a sequential artist to be able to put across like just the level of like the insane level of violence that they're putting across and still being able to like like get that across in a comic book form is that's a super amazing skill and just really good panel to panel continuity. I never yeah. like. There's something about um some like and <laughs> we would talk about Rob Liefeld earlier on and like some some action scenes get confusing if they're not if they don't have good uh, panel to panel continuity. And Invincibles is always spot on. It's always so good. Yeah, Otley's yeah. Otley's a fucking genius. He uh and I got like I got to shut him out. He's moving over to Marvel like for his next his next gig is like he's an exclusive 
with Marvel. He is taking over the extremely uh, prestigious solo slot as the Amazing Spider-Man penciler uh, in the next oh, couple months. Oh, that's big. The only problem I have is Nick Spencer's writing it, the guy who wrote the Cap Hydra story uh, <laughs> last year. So I'm like, that's a little... I'm not sure how I feel about that, but like Ryan Otley doing Spider-Man, I'm like, yeah, man, that's going to be yeah. amazing. Yeah. Because he's been stuck on fucking Invincible for like 15 years. So there's this like superstar level artist. Like this guy is as good as anybody who's ever worked for the big two, who's never worked really for the big two. He's been working on Invincible for 15 years, like through all of his best. Now he's at the peak of his fucking powers. And he's going to go over to Marvel. Like it's going to be fun. I would. That's going to be fucking awesome. I'm super excited for that. Yeah. As for me, favorite fight. I mean. I mean, Battle Beast Thrag oh, is just yeah. so fucking ridiculous that it's like, and it spans like four issues, like in big splash pages. It's so interestingly cut away to and yeah. stuff like that, that I love that. But I think, yes, like the Omni-Man Mark fight is like an emotional kind of turning point for the book. But like, again, I'm going to go back to Conquest because that fight was just fucking mm. brutal and like really showed yeah. how merciless the, like a pure blood, not corrupted Viltrumite would be. In terms of like how hard yeah. they're gonna fight, and he also he also gets that little surprise kill on Eve, which I mean doesn't last, but like man, I fucking hated that white mustache piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. After that, I was like, I want like Mark, if you do not like crush this guy's skull into paste, I am done with this yeah. fucking book. I was so angry about that whole bit. Yeah, and I was also happy that when Adam Eve got re- was regenerated, she got to burn his motherfucking skin off, which was nice to watch. Like. She she deserved a little bit of, of revenge on that one too. So like it, I yeah. it was a great fight. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and speaking of speaking of burning your skins off, you 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 just read the end where uh, Mark fights the yeah. on the surface of the sun. Like that that was that whole fight was like knockdown drag out with the and with the twins as well. Like just that was yeah. It, it was it and the and Nolan getting ripped apart during all of that. It was it was fantastic, yeah. and it was all beautifully drawn with guts spilling out and everything. I like yeah, and like the, the burnt corpses and stuff. Like there's a there's a scene after the fight where Mark is back in the Pentagon getting like treated medically, and he's been like sitting on the sun in the sun's corona for hours fighting Thrag, and it's just a burnt husk of a Viltrumite, yeah. I guess, not a human anymore. Like. Anything human in him is burnt away at that point, really. I mean, not maybe not emotionally, but like physically, like nothing in our DNA would be able yeah. to stand up to that. And so it's all Viltrumite powering him through that. And like the fact that he's back on his feet within a couple of days is just like, that's staggering. But yeah, that fight is knocked down, drag out. And like the fact that they elevate, like take yeah. the level up to like, we're just going to fight in the sun. Like that's how much, like how dangerous all of this is now. Like we're fighting on the surface of the sun. Yeah. It's, it's just like, it's, uh, Jesus incredible and it, it was like as the final giant battle of the series it it was a beautiful way to cap off what the series was i mean like it, it did it did have its emotional core but this was a like it was about a lot of it was about the fights and the knockdown drag out contest of wills between superpowered beings and it's one of the things that invincible did best and i really fucking loved it so yeah Awesome. So that's that's like the, the main thrust of my questions. We've now read 144 issues of Invincible. Like we're at the end. We read the end. What did you think of the end? And this is going to be spoiler heavy. So like if you're still listening to us and you want to read this and not go. Yeah, you've been spoiled a bunch of times, obviously. But like we're going to get right, right into the thick of it now. So check out if you want to. I 
I liked the ending. Yeah. I, I did think that the accelerated timeline of like skipping over certain things and just showing the emotional fallout of it and goes to show what made Invincible tick really well. Like that one sequence of panels showing Tara growing up and like these pivotal moments in her life and her interaction with from uh, Invincible's perspective that what like, and then yeah. the fallout of the fight with Marcus as well. I think that they did a good job of tying a bow on everything. Now, as much as I love Adam Eve, they did the whole like, uh, six feet under, like dying in the bed thing, and then it's just like, oh, I guess I'm immortal. That was just a little bit. I like, I liked, I like that just because like the the only thing they do with it is just have Marco like rad, yeah. and then that's it. Like they don't really like go crazy with the payoff of it. So I didn't mind that too much. And like yeah. at the end of all of that, like I they owed him one, I guess. Like give him the happy yeah. out, and Eve being functionally immortal kind of works for me. You know what I mean? So like I'm. I'm fine with it for the most part. I mean, yes, but like, I think because of the way they ended it, like they didn't, Yeah, they weren't going to take the time to do an arc where like he has to deal with her really being gone. Cause like, yeah. if they're going to kill her and they, we don't get to deal with the fallout of it. That feels cheap to me. Yeah. So I would rather they do it this way and just be like, they're all good. They all live happily ever after. Like they, they're like, he's, he's 35 and smoking hot and she's 28 and smoking hot, like in perpetuity. And like, that's it forever. And they just, keep doing that and they're happy and whatever. And their, their daughter's going to live forever and be the new invincible and all that kind of stuff. This raises a question for me though. And this is kind of, this is going to a dark place, but like at what point does Adam Eve age? Um, and she says, uh, I don't like the way I look. And she blows her own head off. The most complete plastic surgery ever. It's just like, ah, in theory, you could do that. Like you could hit like, Oh, it's, oh I'm 50. Well, you know what? Yeah, it's just starting to sag. Time yeah, to exactly. You would think she wouldn't have. I guess. I guess they say she has like a stop in her power set where like she can't do that kind of stuff to herself without like the emergency break being taken off, kind of thing. So I guess that makes sense in some ways, where like she has to be dying mm. for it to happen because she can't just keep doing it herself. Which I because she would be functionally immortal then too, right? Because you'd just be like, oh, like I'm. Yeah. This is starting to happen, and then she could just rearrange her atoms so that they were back to like 25 year old yeah. prime at all times which yeah which so, is cool I, i'm fine with that it I just guess. opened up like it, it got my imagination running a little bit when uh that happened i'm like oh okay so she's functionally immortal like does it mean she's gonna outlive mark potentially like maybe i don't know in theory yeah in theory she could yeah absolutely so so that's that's cool i'm like i i found the ending to be satisfying yeah i agree and that was my thing my takeaway from it too, was like when they started getting in, I started getting into the arc that was like going to be like, this is the end, like the last 12 issues. I think they kind of call yeah, it, like, yeah, yeah. we're calling like the end arc or whatever. I was like, oh, they're going to be rushing some stuff. And they did like, obviously they, there is a lot of storylines that they did that could have been expanded on as full arcs that would have been super interesting. Like that second Viltrumite versus, uh, I want to call it the Federation, but it's the coalition, I think. The coalition of planets. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The coalition of planets. That would have been cool. So they're just ripping off. I guess they, they ripped off Star Trek, I guess, a couple times in there too, but that's fine. But I would have liked like that kind of story. I think I would have liked to have seen kind of thing. But I liked, for the most part, like they left everybody respectfully where they should be. And like my only my only thing, like from the last couple issues, you don't really find out what happens to Debbie post Nolan. Mm, like yeah. they don't ever really touch on that, which is, I mean, she's probably going to die relatively quickly kind of thing. They're all, they're getting up there in age. She is human yeah. and that kind of stuff. So like that's my um, headcanon based on the fact that, you know, Marcus like 
uh, turns out the way that he does is that Debbie probably dies while taking care of Marcus at some point. Like mm-hmm. she's, she's like getting on an age. She's not super old by the time we see her get the, the invincible costume for uh, Marcus, Marcus Marky, yeah, Marky yeah. in the, at the end. So like, I presume that because th- he didn't have that guidance from her, that he started going down the path of like my father never loved me kind of stuff. So yeah, which like I and again, which is another arc that I would have liked to have seen blown out full hog because that's a very interesting tack. Like he's the child of rape, and it's not. It's like the fought like the only surviving parent yeah. at that point is the the raped party, right? So it's that's that's a tricky yeah. well, I mean, thing to play kind of thing. So it makes. It makes kind of sense that, like, as horrible as it is to say, it kind of makes sense that Mark would tend to kind of, like, shy away from having any interactions with him and, like, deal with Tara more on a day-to-day basis kind of thing, which is shitty, but it's a very human reaction to that kind of situation, so. Yeah, definitely. And, like, at the end, he kind of tries to uh, rationalize it by saying, well, I want you to have life that I had on Earth and fall in love with Earth the way I did kind of thing, which I was like, well, yeah, yeah, but... It was, I think that all in all, it, it was a pretty tight ending for a pretty messy series, but I th- thought that it was a very satisfying yeah. ending overall. And, you know, he still he still ends up buddies with, uh, I was re- really worried that Alan was not going to end up being Alan. a good guy after the Coalition of Planets thing, but they they all ended up. I thought, I thought, yeah. I thought they were all going to, I thought he was dead. Like, I thought he was dead there. So I was like, yeah. I was convinced they made him have to alive. kill him. So I was really happy that they kind of worked that out and like, they got to kind of move past that and Alan survived and stuff like that. Cause not everybody, I, I liked the fact that like as brutal as this like series was, they could have done like a, we just going to kill everybody kind of finale. And they shied away from doing something like that. Cause the, the show, like the, the yeah. show, Jesus, yeah. I wish this yeah, was a TV definitely. show. Could you imagine this on TV? It would cost a fucking billion dollars to produce one episode, but um, yeah, like the, the, the comic did a really good job of like putting that together. So I was pretty happy with that. Um, that's pretty much all the questions I have. Do you have anything else you want to talk about? Like, not really. I mean, like overall uh, the quality of the series never really dips. It is definitely a no. book that I would recommend to, Anyone, like, if you like Dragon Ball, this is definitely, like, up your alley. It's got, like, that weird kind of diverse cast of characters with different power sets. And, the ma- like, the main strong guys are still the main strong guys. And then everyone else is just kind of, like, yeah. uh, orbiting these super strong Superman types, which is very similar to Dragon Ball. But it's, like, it's got yeah. that kind of satisfying anime-style arc building and when it comes to like western style stuff it's a great superhero book on top of everything else it feels like superboy or spider-man so i i really this is not necessarily a book i would have glommed onto because it's like the the character is this i know cis white hetero male but mark grayson is an awesome character and they're all awesome characters so go read invincible great yeah, I definitely think, especially now that it's done, you can probably grab the whole series for like, you can probably grab all those omnibuses or whatever they do, like probably four of them or something like that for a couple hundred bucks and get through it. I'm re- I'm sure you can get on Comixology now and grab like a big chunk of it and get started relatively cheap. I absolutely recommend this book to like, if you're a superhero fan, period, I recommend this book to everybody who reads comic books and likes the superhero genre because it deconstructs everything 
but not in a way that's like shitty about it. Like it's not like a, a deconstruction where they're like, we're doing this because we fucking hate these tropes. They're doing it because they love them and want to play with them in a different way. And I think that's amazing. Invincible has been one of my favorite books going for it. Most of its run, like since I caught onto it, it was one of those books that I always go back to, uh, to the point where like when people get up about, cause it's ending and walking dead is continuing. I would rather that the inverse happen. Like I don't care about, reading walking dead the comic anymore like ever since the negan plot kind of like he's still around but like kind of wrapped itself up on their own and they moved on yeah. to new stuff i was like i'm kind of done with this whereas like invincible i've never been like oh i don't ever want to read this again. well with the exception of the adam eve kill but like they they redeemed that really quickly so i was like oh i'm still on board this is amazing i would have loved to have seen this book go on for another 144 issues like i love the shit out of this book it's right up there with like the first volume of ultimate spider-man like the Bendis Bagley slash uh, Bendis Mm -hmm. and run. Like, I think it's up there as like an awesome teen superhero story that is just extravagantly well put together and drawn. Like, I love those two guys who did that ultimate Spider-Man book, but Bagley's art was rushed in a lot of spots and you could tell him and was rushed in spots too. And like Otley and um, the other guy who do this book are just spectacular the whole way through. So I love invincible. So go pick it up. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to this like super nerdy, like we're going to nerd out about a niche image comic book. So <laughs> it's a lot of fun. It, it deserved it. It, it, we, it was like a 15, 15 years in the making and it was always uh, a and it was, comic book that I enjoyed. Reading, and it's something so. cool too, because it's something Paul and I have always kind of read and talked about. Like it's a book that I got Paul into and that mm-hmm. we both continue to read as we've gone along. It's nice to be able to like, oh, it's concluding I can get online with my little brother and do an episode of my podcast or one of my podcasts anyway with <laughs> him and talk about that. So that was pretty cool. Always a pleasure. Good times. So, all right, everybody, uh, thank you for listening. Uh, you can let us know what uh, you thought about Invincible. And if you're coming to it fresh, we'd love to hear your opinion on it. We'd love to get into a conversation about how this, like, what this book's like, because obviously we could talk about it for another hour if we wanted to get into like the bizarre nitty gritty of the book, because there's a lot, a lot to kind of dissect in there. Um, this is just kind of like the surface skimming, like what do we like the best out of it? So awesome. And again, thank you for listening. If you have made it like almost two hours into this episode, you can reach us on Facebook. It's kind of our primary method of communication. So facebook.com slash dance robot dance podcast. We are available via Twitter at DRD underscore podcast, or you can email us at dance robot dance podcast at gmail.com. If you haven't already, please subscribe at Apple Podcasts, the Google Play Store, or however you get your podcasts. I'm Mark. I've been here with Paul. Say Uh, goodnight. Goodnight or good morning. Good morning, wherever you are. You can find Paul and I on Side A, Side B podcast bi-weekly where we toss albums at each other and review. We will have our third episode up next weekend. Episode one and two are up and available for you on Apple Music or or Apple Podcasts or in the Google Play Store. You can go get those right now. We have done, the first episode was us covering Pearl Jam's Vitalogy and Bjork's Post. And episode two was Joanna Newsom's Yeast and Matthew Goodband's Beautiful Midnight. Episode three uh, with Fiona Apple and the Deftones is coming up next weekend. And we will have a uh, our big blowout, probably two hour plus epic tool episode that we're going to record next week. We'll be out in a couple weeks. So uh, if you want to come join us there, too, that'll be awesome. Thank you again for listening to Dance Robot Dance. We'll be back with the regular crew next week. Again, thank you for listening. We hope you have a good night. Have a good weekend. Go read Invincible Do it. for the love of God. It's the best comic. It's amazing. Oh, and thanks, Paul, for coming on the episode. (laughs) My pleasure. Always a pleasure. So go for it. Bye.